Hey everybody, your good friend Jeremy Moss here. Before we get to our show this evening or afternoon or morning, hey, heck, whenever you listen to this, thanks for listening, first of all. But we're talking about my bookie here. There's a place to uh, play, put a few bucks down, buddy. If you want to uh, test your luck or your uh, expertise of picking games, parlaying multiple games, game props, my bookie has you covered. They are back. They're here for college football, which clearly we talk about a lot. College basketball coming up next week. This week, Thanksgiving week, NFL going full force. We always record our show Sunday typically for these recaps. So, heck yeah, we talk, got some NFL going on right now. So, maybe you made, made a good wager or not. It's okay. They got underdogs. They have the favorites. Pick any prop that you want. Do a parlay. Mix it up. Don't forget about underdogs. They have tons of value. So, I mentioned NFL, you know, underdog. It's okay. You can bet on your own team to not win. Like my personal team, University of Utah. I'm like, oh, they're a three-point underdog. And it'd be to pick them. I'm like, no way. I'll take USC. Had I taken USC, whether it had been three and a half or not or pick them, I would have won money because USC crushed my Utes. So plenty of value if you want to make a wager um, for or against your team. Doesn't matter. Underdogs are amazing. Game spreads, championship futures. Um, like I mentioned, player prop bets. That's like fantasy football, but for real cash right there. You want to predict, uh, let's see, who's a good uh, former Mount West player in the NFL. Let's go with Devontae Adams like we always do. You predict predict Tim to have eight catches for one ten and a touchdown. That's a pretty good bet to make every week. So if those are on the table, have fun with Alex Smith at Utah. Now with Washington, doing reasonably well after coming back from his gruesome injury. But here's the here's the key points. My bookie. Head over there. Use our promo code overtime. Claim a deposit, fifty percent match. You put down two hundred dollars, they'll give you a hundred, a hundred and fifty. You get the point. Do some math. Fifty percent bonus using that code overtime. They'll give you a chance to uh Get your uh, in case you have a few uh, subpar bets at the start of your uh, of going forward for your uh, betting weekend. Not a big deal. It's okay. That bonus will help you out again one more time. Head over to my bookie. Use the promo code overtime. We'll hook. You ready? Showtime on May third. Summer starts with the Fall Guy. We do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, folks, welcome back to the Mount with Swire Football Podcast. We are doing, um, depend on order of listening to this, we have more than one today. MWWire.com is the website where you can find anything we write about, about football, basketball starting up this week. We're doing our mid-season show, which is weird because we're, what, three, four games in? And <laughs> we got myself, obviously Jeremy, Matt Kennerly, and special guest, we have Hunter Hewitt, Jordan Elswell, who's been back doing some gambling and a big aspects. Uh, you know San Diego State pretty well, don't you? You want to say hi to the folks? Yeah, I'm, a, I'm an Aztec for life. Um, I played there from 2008 to 2012. I say played uh, lightly. I didn't play a whole lot, but I was on the team. Um, 
since then, yeah, big time Aztec fan now, and uh, been watching a lot really for the last decade, and getting into the gambling world now too. So, pay a close eye to the lines week in, week out, and always watching the Aztecs. As you should, man. That's uh, we'll get to yesterday's game in a moment. Me and Matt will do our typical recap momentarily after we do this. Like we said, in order, but we'll let you go into it. So let's uh, listen, Matt. Do you just want to start with that? Talk about yesterday's game. Have fun or give his thoughts on a. Uh, is it okay if I say heartbreaking loss? Is that good? Is that okay? It was heartbreaking. I think that's a perfect term for it. Um, yeah, it was a tough one to watch. Um, an incredible first half. They came out on fire. Um, we had a, a quarterback switch up at the last minute almost. Uh, I, I wasn't really aware of it. Um, this guy, Lucas Johnson, who played lights out the first half, um, both on the ground and through the air. He, he was really impressive. Uh, second half, they just kind of collapsed. Um, not, we're not really sure what was going on. And uh, they still had a chance to win it at the end, got inside the five-yard line, just needed a touchdown, had four plays to do it, and um, couldn't get it in. They had one play on, the th- on third down where they, they had a wide-open oh. guy in the corner of the end zone he missed them under through it and then the fourth down play was a debacle but yeah heartbreaking is, is the perfect word for it people give me crap for that saying san diego state should have won the game am i wrong in saying they could have or should have won the game like it's not just one play but come on right i think they absolutely should have won the game they okay. dominated the first half um they had a perfect <laughs> chance to win it in the second half and um i think really for the most part, they outplayed Nevada. Nevada kind of won, obviously, but at the same time, um, I think uh, San Diego State, if not should have won it, definitely had a very good chance to win it. Is that how you see it, Matt? We'll get into our big details later, but is that kind of a good assessment? Because it's kind of a tell two halves a bit for the Aztecs there. Yeah, and I suppose you know my big question for you, Hunter, as someone who's played the game, is was there something in particular you noticed as being perhaps the biggest difference from the first half to the second half? It might have been injury-related. They talked about Lucas Johnson having a little bit of a hamstring issue that he's been struggling with since camp, and um, that's something that can linger all season. A hamstring issue is something that can um, last months, um, especially if you get it early on in the season and you're trying to deal with it throughout. So I think that may have had something to do with it. They started shuffling in Carson Baker, the guy who started the original uh, the original starter of this season. Um, so that definitely messed up the flow of the offense, too, is kind of having uh, two different quarterbacks coming in and out. But um, that's my only thought of it. Other than that, they, uh, the Nevada offense really started clicking. Uh, Romeo Dobbs is a, is a monster. I, I'm super impressed by him. And uh, Carson Strong is really good, too. So once once they got going in the second half, we were kind of in trouble a little bit. And, yeah, unfortunately, they couldn't they couldn't pull it out in the end. I got a big question for everybody. Is it dubs or dubs? Because CBS kept saying dubs the whole game. Are we wrong or is it really dubs? It looks like, I don't know. I thought it was dubs, but I heard them say dubs. But at the same time, Gary Danielson doesn't even know what conference we're in. He was calling us the whack. Um, He was calling Lucas Johnson by the wrong name. So who knows if we should even trust them. It was a last minute game. So I'll give him a little bit of benefit out for getting the switch pulled on him. But I was like, is it dubs? But they kept mentioning the thing is kind of funny about that. It's like I like they go the whack, but then they bring up like Nate Burleson or somebody back in the uh, actual whack day. So I'm like, but um, I I remember because I'm like you said Johnson. I'm like was it Lucas Jackson? No, I must have just heard the guy say wrong. So 
like this game, like, yeah. we'll get something, but like overall, like you played with was Ryan Lindley quarterback when you played, correct? Yep, yep. So Ryan was uh, my old roommate too, so uh, got a good uh, good friendship and spent a lot of time watching him from the sidelines for the most part. And I forgot he's on the University of Utah staff right now, and they well we won't talk about that game yesterday. I guess it's good the cameras went out late in that one, but uh, like. I've said like Matt back up, like we said like he obviously he's really good when he played Aztecs. That's like their biggest thing. Like Christian Chapman was fine. He wasn't amazing. He wasn't bad. He wasn't top conference guy. But like the way Lucas was playing, I'm like, I've said it for like probably five six years. If they have a quarterback who is well above average, like no, and I put on Twitter like nobody could stop this team. They run the ball well. We know what the defense can do. If they have a quarterback who can be a bit better than Christian Chapman, like they'd be as good as Boise State or better, even though they've been won, won a conference title, double-digit victories a handful of times. I think they won, what was it, three straight years or like 30 or 31 wins combined. Like mm-hmm. that's like the small missing piece. Like if they have that quarterback who is not even a first-team guy, but like an honorable mentor, second, close to second-team guy, they would be in the team that would be top 20 every year. And it, I'm like, they have it. And then the second half starts, I'm like, oh man, what's going on? And, I kind of half hope it is just that little hamstring bug in them because Lucas looked really, really good. Yeah, and I think you're spot on with that assessment. Honestly, that that was the best I've seen a quarterback play really since Lindley was was under center. I mean, uh, most of the QBs we've had over the last nine years, I think it's been since Ryan has been gone, uh, have had flashes where they look pretty solid, but for the most part, they've been very inconsistent and. I mean, what Lucas Johnson did in the first half yesterday had me thinking um, we might have a new stud QB. Uh, uh, he's a junior. He only has two years left, I guess. But um, unfortunately, it didn't continue in the second half. But at the same time, the way he was playing was something that Aztec fans will tell you. Uh, we haven't seen much of that since tw- 2011, which was Lindley's last year. Yeah, and you know, one thing I thought about in that first half, especially when it seemed like the offense was really firing on all cylinders, is I, I almost wondered if Lucas Johnson could be like San Diego State's version of Marcus McMarion, you know, a guy who was committed to and played for you know, a Power Five program sparingly, then comes back to a Mountain West program and then ends up thriving because. You know, what I saw, especially on his touchdown run in the first quarter, I thought that's an element we haven't really seen from Maztec quarterbacks in recent memory. And, you know, if you can combine that kind of mobility, that kind of, you know, burst in, at the quarterback position with the aforementioned running game, then all of a sudden you give defenses an entirely new thing to worry about that they never have before. Absolutely. I've, I've always felt that way, too, especially since we've been a real ground-heavy team the last eight or nine years. Um, if we had a QB like a McMarion or even, I've always dreamt of having someone like a Kaepernick um, talking about Nevada and, and Mountain West and WAC football or, or like a Lamar Jackson. Um, I, I've always said San Diego State might be a national title contender if we had a oh, QB boy. like that. Um, Lucas Johnson... Maybe could be close to that, but uh, we're going to need to see a little bit more after uh, a struggle in the second half. Yeah, and what's disappointing, their game's already gone for this weekend. It's like, come on. Yeah. It's like, was uh, it? Um, well, the upside is at least it gives them time to heal up yeah. if, the, if the hamstring is a lingering issue. True. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully he can use this weekend. Although, who knows what happens? Um, we might even have a game this weekend from some of the stuff I'm seeing. Although, 
one thing I would definitely like to talk about is how I think the Pac-12 is scared of us and none of them want to play in oh, the West. Speaking schools. of that right now, a tweet from Kyle Bonagura, because I, or my day job, like radio producer in Salt Lake, and we're home at BYU football, so we talk Cougars, Utes, a little Utah State, Jazz, obviously local stuff here for me, but Kyle Bonagura from ESPN, because Washington, Washington State was also canceled within the past hour. We're recording this Sunday about, uh, about 4 Pacific here. Washington reached out to BYU and BYU has resisted to play them. Why would teams resist to play? I, I get the reason why. We can kind of pick, poke fun at BYU because, well, they don't want to suffer a loss because they're pretty well on path. If they could beat San Diego State, which from what we've seen, I'd, put, I'd lean toward BYU at this moment. But who knows if Lucas is good to play. That could change, make some changes. But at this moment, I'd give BYU odds to win that game to finish 10-0. But I think with the Pac-12 thing, it's mostly you got to follow their testing protocols, which is why... We didn't see Stanford maybe play San Jose State, but then again, that was Friday. But even Colorado State, well, I mean, or CU, that couldn't get figured out. I don't know why Washington couldn't play San Diego State. Aztecs are able to do t- new testing for this week because what the, state, what the Pac-12 does is I think they do the quick testing every day, then they do the PCR a couple days a week. So there's time to do that, but they might be scared, but it's kind of fun to, funny to see BYU resisting to play a good team if they really think they're that good, because Washington's just okay, right, guys? They're nothing special. They've looked pretty good in the first couple of weeks from what I've seen yeah. of them. I mean, like, they're not like a top 15 team, I don't think. Yeah, I'm surprised that BYU would do that, although I think they're uh, pretty set on what their schedule is right now, and they do have a strong chance of finishing out the season undefeated, and maybe they're a little wary of playing a Pac-12 team. But uh, at the same time, they were wearing a um, Zach Wilson I know. Was wearing a yeah. headband yesterday that said, any team, any time, any place, shout out to Pat. Yeah, I know. All right. What are you doing? West. Come on, Pat. What are you doing? Taking Pat Elstein. <laughs> but uh, at the same time, if you're going to wear that headband, you got to you gotta uh, walk the walk if you're going to talk the talk. So come on now, BYU. What's get, going on there? I put on Twitter really quick, just like, are they afraid for a loss? Kind of in jazz mode. Somebody replied back, which is a good point. It could be Thanksgiving break. They already had the bye week. Maybe players are already out of town to leave. So there is something to that possibly, but you got to make it happen, man. Like ASU Utah got moved to Sunday just now for because ASU is apparently a complete dumpster fire. But I don't know. The Pac-12, it's – I get – I don't know. This whole year is a weird mess. So it's like I would love to see Washington play, play San Diego State. Or last week San Jose State played Stanford because San Jose State, we think they're pretty good. But let's let's move on to our midseason stuff. Let's just start there. Is San Jose State the big surprise team, like your biggest positive surprise this year from either of you guys? I, I think so. Um, Nevada, I've always kind of felt, has a chance to compete at the top. They've got um, especially two players like we were talking about who are their quarterback and receiver who are studs. San Jose State really came out of nowhere this year, and this new coach, Brennan, I think he's kind of an up-and-coming guy. Uh, the sad thing is he'll probably leave the Mountain West for, for greener pastures in the next few years and Whisper. get a, 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 <laughs> a Power 5 job before we know it. But, yeah, I would say they're the biggest surprise. I've been impressed with them. That was a huge win they had over the Aztecs, and uh, they, would, they would definitely be um, uh, my biggest surprise this season so far. Yeah, I would definitely agree, and it seems like, at least according to our staff vote, that everybody's kind of on that same page, because, you know, I'm probably better known for being on the on the Spartans bandwagon, mm-hmm. um, but I, even I was under the impression that they might finish this year around 500 and threaten for a little bit more than that, you know, before the pandemic really put the, the full season on hold, 
And what we've seen instead is, you know, there hasn't been any drop off whatsoever from Josh Love to Nick Starkle at quarterback on offense. And then the defense seems to be making a big, big leap forward right in front of our eyes. You know, the pass rush, as we talked about in the, you know, the preview podcast, is you know looking like one of the nation's best after four games. Um, you know, and the secondary is still doing its part to be opportunistic and, and real stingy overall. So, you know, I thought, and I think a lot of other people have maybe expected Nevada to be, you know, a little better overall and a little less lucky as a result. Um, you know, just in terms of, you know, last year they were very uneven, but you could see glimpses. And I think we all expected them to take a step forward like they have. But I don't think anybody really expected to see what we've seen from San Jose State over the last month of the show. Yeah, it's it, the easy choice, but I think going Nevada, I get, yeah, I thought they'd be good. Like, I think we all thought they'd be pretty good near the top. Like, I think my three at the beginning was like San Diego State, Nevada, and Hawaii kind of lingering around. But it's it clear twice as easy sounds as I see it. But the way Nevada, like, Matt, you put on Twitter, what, I'll say Romeo Dubs until somebody else is in our mentions. But it, is, it is Dubs, by the way. Ah! On the pronunciation guide. <laughs> Dang I it. feel bad now. Sorry. Let's give him the proper credit. If, if Romeo Dubs is listening, I apologize. <laughs> we all on apologize. On behalf of all of us. That's... If Romeo is listening, hey, congrats. <laughs> You're going to be making a lot of money in the NFL someday. He's getting those 50-yard passes like it's nothing, man. Like, that team, like, their offense, like, Aztecs in the first half, I, like, we'll go back to that game really quick, and we'll mention it with me and Matt later, but, like, one thing I noted a lot, which I always bring this up with teams trying to fool themselves out, like, it's the Henry Winkler thing from Waterboy, they fake to fake to try to fake or pretend to fake what they're doing. Each team, and it worked better for San Diego State than Nevada, where they kind of played their opposites, where, let's run the ball, let's put Toatala, rifle it down the field 50 yards past the receiver, doing all sorts of weird stuff, and then second half comes along. How about we just play our normal game and we saw what happened? But it's clearly San Jose State, coach of the year. Somebody did put uh, Jay Norvell, which I can't argue. I can, but come on, it's Brent Brennan. There's nothing close to what – compared to expectations, what Spartans have been the past decades since David Phelps is there, it's a no contest. Yeah, and I think what'll happen is we'll have to just see who finishes strongest. Um, if if one of them finishes undefeated and, and goes on to the division title, um, I think you got to give them the coach of the year. But one of those two has got to be it in my book. Yeah, I would agree with that. All right, let's move on to this really quick. I got my rankings or our staff poll here. So, uh, so special teams MVP is kind of boring, but after it, these votes were in before last night's this weekend's game. It's clear Lavery Johnson with another touchdown return, right? Yeah. Gotta be. Gotta be, yep. He, he had another big game yesterday, and uh, I, I haven't been uh, watching a ton of the special teams so far in the Mountain West, but what he's he's done is really jumped out week after week, so he's got to be my pick. And that's really no disrespect to Brandon Talton, who actually finished second in our vote. You know, If you mm-hmm. look at what he's done over the first, you know, I guess, five games at this point, but he he started the season with 12 straight field goals, including some from like, you know, the 40 to 50 yard range. And, you know, that already puts him, I think, into like the top 30 overall. Um, and a lot of the kickers ahead of him have been playing seven, eight, nine, you know, basically a full season by this point. So, you know, what he's been able to contribute to the Wolfpack offense, you know, when they haven't been able to, you know, punch it in for six you know, it's a credit to him and that's in, in their special teams that they've been able to at least consistently get points more often than anybody else in the conference. 
Can I ask That's you? a good point. And he, he really, um, if you think about it, the three field goals in the first half were huge for them yesterday. And uh, it's not always the sexiest pick to pick a place kicker as your special team's MVP, but he, he really has been solid for them. He ended up missing the one yesterday, but it didn't matter. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. think that was a that was a fifty-one yard field goal Something too. Like that, so yeah. that, that was no gimme. No, I'm not sure. Also, did you did you re, either of you watch closely to Avery Avery's touchdown yesterday? The um, I did see it. The little fake. Okay, did the, I watched that play like ten times? Did it actually fake anybody out? Because when I was watching, the only fake I saw was one of the Boise guys was pretending to carry the ball up in front of Avery there. And then that guy went after him like, oh, crap, I got nobody. But I watched it like a dozen times, and I don't think it faked anybody. It just was kind of cool for TV. Am I wrong on yeah, that? Yeah, it, it wasn't a huge uh, dramatic fake, and it didn't probably do a whole lot. I'm sure there was probably one or two defenders that saw it. and Like, like way back, guys, slight, probably. Yeah, mm-hmm. had a slight confusion in their mind, thinking what might be going on, and maybe it, it, it cost them a half a second. But um yeah, I don't think it was a huge, huge change in, in what was going on in the return. A lot of it just came down to his speed. Yeah. <laughs> but um, That's it was I, an impressive play nonetheless. It still was. I was watching him like, oh, look at that fake pass. I'm like, so I go back and watch like slow-mo on Twitter, full screen on my, on my computer. I'm like, very nice touch. I'm not saying it against him, but like tone down the trickery on that where it, did, it wasn't the Frank Whitecheck, Music City Miracle, or even a big enough fake, but let's move on. All right. So who's your guys' offensive MVP? We're not going to include yesterday's game. The votes are in. It was actually um, not clo- – it was close than I thought. There's only two guys who got votes. So he, both of you guys voted for Ronnie Rivers or Carson Strong. So, Matt, who did you vote for and kind of why? Uh, if I remember correctly, I voted for Rivers. Okay. And, yeah, you know, and I think you – know, <laughs> Kidding. Maybe a touch, but, I mean, I think – you know, the, the bigger argument, I think, is, you know, what do you value more? Because I don't think there's any doubt that Strong has been, you know, de- far and away the best quarterback in the conference at the halfway point. But when you think in terms of, like, all-purpose yards, Ronnie Rivers has been perhaps more important to Fresno State's offense than anybody else in the conference. You know, you're talking about a guy who, you know, even despite yesterday's cancellation, is still averaging 176 yards per game just in terms of total offense. And, you know, he's a guy who, at least as far as non-quarterback position players, has also touched the ball more than anybody else in the conference as well. So you're you're talking about a guy who's getting a lot of the heavy lifting and, you know, he's carrying a lot of that offensive load for them. And then he's also leading the the conference in touchdowns at the halfway point as well. And so I think all those things considered, you're looking at a guy who can do it all, not only in terms of being a runner, but in terms of being a pass catcher. He contributes on special teams, too. And so I think, you know, the case is not necessarily as clear-cut as it, as it might look at first glance when you kind of take a closer look at it. So I'd I, agree. That, that's a great argument. I, I honestly think I would go with, with Carson Strong as my pick, but it really comes down to that conversation of, you know, is it the best player or is it the most valuable one? And then you go and look at each person's um, situation with their team and consider how much more valuable they may be to their team and how many wins would their team have without them. Um, but with all that being said, I think Carson Strong, 5-0, and he's the QB, he's leading the ship. Um, he's been really impressive. He's had a couple of 400-yard games already. Um, he's obviously got a lot of talent around him with dubs, but um, I, I think I got to lean with, to him right now as the offensive MVP. I did as well. What do we need to get? Because he puts in his gaudy numbers. Like, 
I get how Rivers could be conceded, like you mentioned, like quote more valuable or whatever. But because what he does, like Rivers is really good. Because Matt, wasn't a couple years ago versus ASU, we kind of broke out in the Las Vegas Bowl game where he had like, yeah, he had over over two hundred two fifty offense in that game. Yeah, yeah, something like that. So like replacing him would be difficult. And Jay Kaner has been putting up numbers as well. But what do we need to do? Because this year is weird. Nevada's undefeated, not getting votes. How do we get him like a whisper Heisman campaign? How could that happen? For I mean, I really don't. I really don't think it's gonna happen. <laughs> That's why I said whisper campaign. <laughs> Keep it quiet. I don't know. It's like he's like he's not. He like if you look at all the quarterbacks, like not to go go with everything bigger picture, but like, you get, like Mac Jones, you have like Zach Wilson, you have um what's his name from Florida, um Kyle Trask, like. Justin Fields is up there too, but like he's one of the top five quarterbacks over the country. Like he has like honestly, like Matt, what was a tweet you put out there for like the blood and the cough, like fifty yard receptions? Like nobody's touching jobs what he's doing catching the ball. I don't think anybody is. Yeah, so if you didn't catch it on Twitter the first time around, you know, after five games he has seven catches of fifty or more yards, which among Mountain West receivers over the last decade, the only other guys to do that are Rashard Higgins, Colorado State, Heard of him. and Vince, Vincent Brown at San Diego State in uh, 2013 and 2010. And again, those guys needed full seasons to do that. I think Brown played 13 games, Higgins played 12. And at this point, you know, he's definitely within striking distance of, you know, all FBS receivers in that regard. And that was uh, LSU's Jamar Chase last year, who, by the way, also won the Bolotnikov Award. Are we? Is he going to win the Bolotnikov? Can we get him? In? Cause this is this is a more likely thing to happen, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that if the if people in the Mountain West keep playing the way that they have been, you know, and I'm talking about Rivers, I'm talking about Dobbs, and I'm talking about Carson Strong, you know, even if it's you know Heisman is out of reach, you know, there's always uh, I always forget the quarterback award. Uh, Johnny it's not Unitas. the Johnny Unitas yeah, Golden Arm Award so. is in play. Maxwell. You know, the yeah, the Maxwell's in play, the Blatnikov is in play, all of those types of more individual and position-based honors are definitely within arm's reach, especially for guys like Rivers and Daubs, because they also contribute on special teams. There's like the the Paul Horning Award as well for a guy who can be the, the kind of Swiss Army knife that Horning was back in the day. And let's keep in mind for Carson Strong, he's only a sophomore. Heck yeah. These yeah. are the kind of things that the Heisman campaign really starts two, three years before. So... Maybe he, he continues to turn some heads this season, continues to put up big numbers, and then at the end of the day, it comes down to the Nevada Athletic Department and creating a special website and advertising campaign. And then our guy Chris Murray, who finally ranked Nevada in the top 25, right at number 25 too today. Low. Too low. To, to pump them up a little bit. And uh, I think Carson Strong, is his junior year, if not that year, maybe his senior year, could get some – Realistic buzz. Here's what we got. Dubs a junior. Carson Strong will be back. Toa Tao will be back. Um, Dom Peterson could be back. Like the gigantic guy who is amazing and flying the airplane out there soaring through the defense. This team, can I maybe admit that? Is it okay if I make a bold and stupid pick right now for next yeah, year? Yeah, go for it. Nevada, New Year's Six minimum next year. Calling it. Wow. Let, let's wait and see if no! Buzz leaves after this season. I know. Season. That's the point. you got to be back. Go I'm just saying. This season. <laughs> I'm just saying. If they can return, why not? Like, they have enough coming back where, like, they're, they're undefeated this year. Assuming also Jake Norvell coaching weirdness and all that, leaving NFL. That's why I mentioned Peterson, perhaps. But it's like, 
like who they like there's more to come back but like if you get those top three to five guys back and they can find another second or third receiver it's like this team it exceeded beyond expectations and who knows what'll happen next year but they're five and zero, an amazing year if things hold together and guys want to stay back for another year i think i'm like i don't see why they can't be like a top 15 team next year but i'm just saying i'm looking all right defense there's a bunch of defenders, so we can go through a few. Like, who was your like Matt? Who's your top defender? Because we had quite a few. We had four guys who got votes here, and I'm crossing my fingers that I left nobody out because I'd feel bad if I left somebody out because we've maybe we've done that once or twice before. Yeah, I mean, it's probably not a. It's, oh no, you go ahead, Hunter. I'm gonna go with Cade McDonald. I'm gonna play the homer card here. Uh, I think San Diego State still has the best defense in the league, mm-hmm. and I love what he's doing. He's kind of anchoring that defense right now. Um, he's all over the field, getting sacks, getting uh, big tackles for losses. Um, I'm going to go with him as my pick. That's what our staff pick. I went with him, and there's a split between Kate Hall and San Jose State. Yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting because there's not any, you know, th- th- there's been a lot of solid defensive performances, but there haven't been the same kind of off-the-charts defensive performances that we've seen on the offensive side of the ball. Which I think is why you end up getting guys like you know Chad Muma got a vote, Scott mm-hmm. Patchen at Colorado State got a vote. But personally, I voted for Kate Hall, like you mentioned a minute ago, because it, you know, what I talked about a few minutes ago about the Spartans taking that big leap forward. You know, Hall I think has been maybe you know reason number one for that because he, he's tied for first in the conference with tackles for loss. You know, he's having big individual games. He had three sacks just a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. and so yeah, I think we all. Or a lot of people, especially inside the program, probably expected him to to take to to turn the corner because we'd seen flashes from him since his freshman year a couple of years ago, and you know that he's one of those guys where we talk about making the leap right in front of us. He's maybe you know the guy with a bullet point who's been doing that more than anybody on that defense. Yeah, they've been good. And like we mentioned, Don Peterson, like he's really good. Like it's kind of hard to watch defense because we've seen like Tariq Thompson, like what he does. People don't throw to him, so it's hard to like, hey, how good of a Defender is he when he puts in most stats when people are kind of uh, not casually looking, but you're not laser focused on there when he wraps up and doesn't let Toatella get past him, even though he's like twice his size making those tackles right at the line of scrimmage. So like same with Don Peterson, he had three TFLs and a couple sacks yesterday, so he didn't make our list there, but that was like his breakout game. And it was great the game was on CBS too, but there's so many guys in defense. There's just not like, you're right, Matt, like we had the guy from Utah State, I'm going to butcher his name, but he had 17 tackles in one game. It's like, dude, that's that's pretty good, but you play for Utah State. Sorry. Um, Are you talking about AJ Vonkachan? Yeah, Vonk. I was trying to think of the name. I knew it was AJ, but I don't want to blow up. Like, that's a pretty big game, but then again, it's. Well, I don't really want to bash a good game like that, but it's like nobody's had like a. Because when the Avery with um, for the special team stuff, yeah, that's not really defense, it's different. But we also had guys like uh, Chad Muma and then also uh, Scott. You mentioned the two Matt already CSU. So it was a split vote between McDonald and Kate Hall. Which you can't argue, like, they're both really good, and there's a lot of good defenders. There's just not a, uh, I guess Cade Hall's one game where he had four TFLs and three sacks might be that big game, but it's not like it was seven different plays because, obviously, sacks were TFLs. But mm-hmm. is there anybody else we missed? Like, we had Ryan Wimpy on our, make our list. We put on Kyle Harmon of San Jose State. Even Jarek Reed from New Mexico is doing pretty good for, for a secondary for New Mexico. So there's a lot of good guys, or like even like Jacoby Windham of UNLV, so... There's plenty of defenders on here, but uh, Coach of the Year, Brett Brennan, we already mentioned that. Um, our bad surprise, how it was everybody put Utah State but two people. How How is it not Utah State or some variation of Utah State quarterback play? 
Gary Anderson or whatnot? How is it? How, who can make the case for not voting for Utah State being a bad surprise? Anyone? <laughs> I think you're spot on with that. Yeah, that would be my pick. Um, I didn't expect them to have, have a great season by any means, but they have been bad. Um, there's no other way to put it. UNLV's been been really bad too, but really didn't expect much of them at all. Um, they they've really been struggling in the last decade. But Utah State's had had a couple seasons here and there where they're um, you know in contention over in the mountain side of the division. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna go with them. Yeah, I mean, I thought that coming into this year, Utah State was in kind of a precarious position, you know, without a first round NFL talent at quarterback. You know, then later in the offseason, kind of pushing who we all assume to be the incumbent, the heir apparent out the door. Um, and, and that it's been just kind of a free fall ever since then. And, you know, kind of speaking to Hunter's point, you know, they haven't it's not so much that they've been bad. They just haven't been competitive in a way that we don't often see among Mountain West teams. Like there's a lot of, you know, forgettable or, or maybe subpar teams year in and year out, but not, there are very few, I would say, that where it's just, this it bad. doesn't feel like there's a lot of hope after a certain point in the game. Like even UNLV, watching that San Jose State game, they were basically a, a drop pick six away from making that like a tie ball game going into halftime, getting the ball for the Rebels. Mm-hmm. Like had that pick six happened and not a, a drop pass and San Jose State scored a touchdown, they just ran out of gas. Like had that happened, who knows if Rebels would have gotten upset victory or at least would have made it look closer, but they were actually competitive. They just got behind a touch early. One one bad play, one play didn't go their way, which it takes every play, obviously. But like they were that close from being in position to upset San Jose State. Utah State's been outside of being up nineties year over Nevada and kind of slowing them down or whatever happened that first quarter plus. They've been just bad. Like preseason, I predicted one victory and I was hesitant on that. Yeah, and what a fall for Grace from. Uh... Gary Anderson over there. He had he had a couple of good years with Utah State um, earlier in the decade, and then kind of looked like a up and coming promising coach. What we're saying, Brent Brennan might be right now. Went to Wisconsin, um, and really these last five six years, he's kind of just uh, really like I said, fallen in the coaching ranks, and then they let him go this year. Whereas UNLV, he they got a. Um, you know, their coach from Oregon right now. And it, it seems like something that they're building on. And obviously they're not expecting much this season, but when you start bringing in guys from PAC 12 schools who have that offensive pedigree, who knows what can happen. Exactly. All right. Um, what else do we need to get to? Okay. We mentioned like, we, here's our last one thing we'll get to the best performance, excluding this weekend. We had, let's see, Ronnie rivers. We had to pick only one game, Matt. So we can only do one. And he didn't get a vote. So here's the, here's the ones who got votes. Nick Starkle versus New Mexico, five TDs, 467. Then we had Carson Strong, his Wyoming game, three TDs, 420. Then Dubs with his only five catches for three touchdowns versus uh, New Mexico. Overwhelmingly, everybody chose Nick Starkle. I think when he had five touchdown passes, that beats pretty much even Greg Bell doing amazing things versus Hawaii. Yeah, I'm yeah, going to go that, with that Starkle was my vote for that for. <laughs> We're like, on the same page there. Those numbers are, are too good to not give him the nod. Like there, he's like like again. Go back to him, like four. That's, I, that's my pick too as well. It's like I can get I can make an argument maybe for I, I don't know. That's five touch five touchdown passes. What do you do? It's like you're. I know it's in Mexico and all, but it's like I don't care. Five touchdowns is five touchdowns. Four hundred plus yards. Was that was that his first start? Was that their first game? 
San Jose State, New Mexico, was that game number one for them? No, they had played Air Force the week before. Okay, I wasn't sure. Like, if the Oz's opener coming in, I'm like, oh boy, it's been pretty crazy. And he does. The more I think about it, Starkle really does deserve some credit and could be considered one of the biggest surprises. A lot of times those mm-hmm. transfer QBs come in and, and they maybe have some high hopes, but they don't always pan out. You know, they, they usually say a guy who can't make it at one school, let alone two, like Starkville. Or three, it, <laughs> almost. It, it happens for a reason because, you know, they aren't quite cut out for this life. But, I mean, he's come in and he's been really playing well for arguably the best team in the conference. So hats off to him. And, yeah, that game was incredible. Yeah, that game he missed part of San Diego State with a brutal hit. They couldn't play last week versus Fresno. And then, really quick, they play Boise State on the road on regular old Fox this Saturday, which is pretty awesome. So more people will get to see, not just Mountain West, but they'll see everybody knows Boise State. Here's the thing that's going to happen. We both know this. They'll tune in for Boise State. Wait, San Jose State, they're undefeated. Who is this team? And then this is going to be a really good big game because Boise, I don't know who will be healthy to play, but BJ Reigns of the uh, Blue Tier Sports put out the uh, list of who didn't travel. Matt, what was it, almost 20 guys? Yeah, it was a and a, and a lot of uh, you know name contributors too, key you know role player type guys. Particularly George Shalani at the top, who's still still been out. Jack Sears didn't travel. Uh, let's wrap up with one more thing. Let's let Hunter one quick chance for you because me and Matt will discuss this quite a bit, and we can chat later. But what's your um, let's give us your prediction for the end of the year, really quick. Like, what's going to be the championship game, and who's going to win it? No pressure, but just give us that right now, as we have stuff like multiple games left and multiple games to be canceled. <laughs> I'm going to go with Nevada, Boise in the championship. As far as who's going to win it, I got to give Boise the, the nod there. Um, You're not doing his favors. As, Everybody says we fall in love with Boise. You're not helping us out with this. Uh, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's just fine. the reality. I know. As much as that I like to pump up uh, San Diego State, Boise has been the, the cream of the crop when it comes to either Mountain West or WAC football for the last two decades. So you got to give them the credit they deserve. No, um, I agree. Yes. But as, as, aside from the championship talk, I think what's more important that I have to get off my chest is that these AP voters are really not oh. doing us any, any, any justice right now. And it's really disappointing to see. I got two guys on my, on my mind right now. One of them is actually in San Jose. His name's John Wilner. He's been a longtime columnist and writer for the San Jose Mercury news. The guy, I still didn't rank San Jose State or Nevada this week in his top 25. And he's right there in the backyard. It's, it's a shame to see these guys use the East Coast media bias and they're brainwashed by it. And they don't vote vote for teams that are deserving of it. Um, the other one is the San Diego Union Tribune writer, Bryce Miller, who didn't vote for any Mountain West teams again this week. And it's sad to see because... When the AP poll was originally started, the whole concept of it was to have writers from across the country that watch some of these teams that other people don't get to see. Mm -hmm. And when they do that, they're supposed to be the ones that go to bat for them because they're actually watching them. But I think we all know what's going on. Half of these guys don't even watch college football. Or their own game because they're busy watching their team they cover. And so it's hard. Too. Exactly. They're busy watching their game, their team, or they're just columnists and they're too lazy and all they do is watch the premier SEC games. And then they just copy the, the main polls or the main writers who they're voting for. And it, it's sad to see and it's a shame. And, and I'm going to continue to uh, take subtle digs at them on Twitter until they hear me out. And I think it did work this week with Chris Murray, the Nevada <laughs> beat writer, because – 
he finally ranked Nevada in the top 25 for the first time in eight years, he said. So I think uh, I'm doing my best job to, to give the Mountain West the credit they deserve, even if uh, even if I have to be um, a little bit of a, an asshole online and do a little cyberbullying. One question. How come North Carolina gets ranked? What's the deal with that? Come on. I saw that. I'm like, what are you, what are you doing? Did Liberty lose? Seriously. Did li- wait, Liberty, Liberty Did they Liberty lose? Lost, and they're still Liberty getting more votes. Lost, and they were still ranked number twenty-five in John Wilner's poll. Tulsa barely won. I guarantee you, these three Mountain West teams that are at the top right now would give Tulsa um, not only a run for their money. I think they probably beat them. And then the thing is, they just ranked these two lost Power Five teams because they have a big name, whether it's North Carolina or Auburn or some of the others, and it's sad. And it's really, um, really grinds my gears, to say the least. It's like, Matt, you always say it well. I think, Matt, are they doing a better job this year than normal, or is it because of the situation they have to rank teams, like the non-Power 5 to get in there? It's really hard to say, because how do you how do you gauge a team that's played two or three games, like, you know, like a USC or a Washington, you know, against an undefeated team like a Nevada, or maybe more to the point, like a like a Marshall or a Coastal Carolina, who are seven and zero, eight and zero at this point. It seems to me like even despite the disparities in schedule, which I think accounts for probably most of the reason why some teams aren't being ranked as high as perhaps we think they should. Um, but uh, you know, I'm I'm with you. I'm like you know, rank more group of five teams. Otherwise, you're not doing it right. Exactly. So I don't know. We'll see. It's a uh... Like if we're like at the bottom team, like Oklahoma State got throttled by Oklahoma. Like I saw most of Utah USC when I could. You like that game was garbage. Like USC was a better team because Utah's not very good either. But it's they're not. There's enough teams. Like you're telling me, you put Nevada's offense, what they can do against half these teams, they can't put up 35 points, and Don Peterson just squashes some quarterback five times. Come on, <laughs> it's, it's there to perhaps it's there to be taken. They I I don't know what like. Matt, you have the piece up. Like, we'll wrap, actually officially wrap up on this. Like, there's still a handful of games we played, but unless Cincinnati loses, there's like, even probably even Coastal Carolina. Like, I'm telling telling you, you put Nevada versus Coastal Carolina, or like San Jose State, maybe even San Diego State, like, they probably could beat Coastal Carolina. Like, the Mountain West to get that spot will need, like, all these teams to lose, and I don't know if it'll happen. Because Coastal already beat App State this weekend, probably their toughest game. And I don't know if Nevada can get higher than past that team, even if they're like 8-0. Yeah, I mean, it's not like they're – I mean, we'll probably talk about this more at length in future weeks. But, you know, one thing to keep in mind for any Mountain West team, whether it's Nevada, Boise State, or San Jose State, is that, you know, no team in the running is necessarily out of the woods yet. Mm-hmm. Except for maybe Marshall. Because Marshall, they, they close with Rice and Florida International. And those two teams have combined for one win this year. So <laughs> – it doesn't seem like they're going to have much resistance on their way to the Conference USA title game. But everybody else has at least one fairly significant hurdle left to clear. And so never say never. That's all I'm going to say for right now. Okay. I'm not going to say never. But uh, let's just hope Hunter next week we get um, some teams ranked, right? A couple. Yep. I think we're getting there. We're, we're close. I think Nevada was the second team, uh, highest team receiving votes this week. And uh, right up Boise and San Jose State, I think the winner of that game definitely has an argument to make the top 25 next week. So so let's hope. And, and I'll keep doing my uh, my service tweeting go, at these guys. Go badger people and go do it. Yeah. It's like I love John Wilner for his Pac-12 insights because he's amazing at that. But like, come on, man. Like you got teams right next to your next door to you that are playing pretty good. So 
Just do it. All right, so that's it for the show. Our midseason recap and randomness we talk about because that's what we do here at MWR.com. So, um, yeah, I got Hunter. Check him, his stuff out. He does a weekly uh, – How first off, how, really quick, how are your picks doing? Are you doing okay? Do you want to publicly uh, – Oh, they're not admit? They're not doing well. Uh, I got to be honest about that. They're really not. Uh, I think uh, overall this season I'm about four or five games under 500. So we're losing money at this point, but uh, – you know, I have the COVID and all the cancellations and all that to blame for it, of course. So I have my excuses already built in. But um, hopefully we bounce back next week and we finish strong. I don't think many picks are uh, – right, Matt? I don't think anybody's doing extremely well on picks this year. Doing just yeah. It's tough. It's tough. All right. But, yeah, definitely check out all of our stuff we do. MWR.com. We'll have our recap show up momentarily. So we'll get two shows this week on a Sunday or Monday. But we'll be back next time. we got Thanksgiving week, Matt, so we'll need to figure out our schedule for that. But until then, we'll see you next time, folks.